This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a genuine pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. And uh, I appreciate those of you who may be watching today for the very first time. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in to watch Getting to Know Your Bible. We appreciate those who watch every time we're on the air. Now today we're going to be speaking on the theme, Delivering Men from Prison. Delivering Men from Prison. I hope that you'll stay tuned. On Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. I emphasize this course is free. We want you to avail yourself of the opportunity to know more about it, and we want you to know how to receive it. So we're going to pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'm going to be reading today from Isaiah, the 61st chapter, and I'm going to read the first three verses. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joyful mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. This is a great prophecy from the Old Testament about the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is a prophecy that is a description of the ministry of Christ. The one thing in this description of, a, of the ministry of Jesus that I want us to notice is where he, the prophet says that he was sent to proclaim the opening of the prison to those that are bound. You know, there are men that are in the prison of sin. And Jesus Christ came into this world to deliver men from the prison of sin. But there are some self-made prisons from which men need deliverance. I read many years ago about a man who had been in a dungeon for about 20 years. Every day the jailer would come and open, pull the door open, put the man's food on the floor. The man would eat the food and then he would cons con consign himself to the fact that he was going to be in prison until he died. But one day 
He happened to walk up to that prison door and he pushed on it. And to his amazement, the door opened and he could look out into the sunshine and see on the outside. You see, the door had been opened all along. All he had to do was to push it open. There are men and women that are in self-made prisons and they need to be released from captivity. And I want us to think about some of those prisons from which men and women need to be delivered today. There are some living in the prison of fear. And this is much a prison as if you were put into jail somewhere because it confines you and it keeps you from accomplishing all that you need to accomplish in life. There's so many things people fear. Sometimes people fear failure. They're afraid to try anything because they're afraid. They may fail. Some fear death. Some fear rejection. They don't want anyone to reject them, and so they, they don't do anything. Some fear getting older. Some people fear other people. You know, Solomon said, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever put his trust in the Lord will be saved. Some people fear criticism or ridicule, and some people have a fear of hell. I think there is a healthy fear that we ought to have of eternal uh, condemnation. But folks, fear can paralyze you. If you live in fear all of the time, it can keep you from accepting challenges in life. And fear can keep us from being as productive in life as we ought to be because we're afraid. Fear. You see, sometimes fear keeps us from being bold with the gospel. Why don't you talk to somebody about Jesus? Well, I'm just afraid to. I'm afraid. That's fear. You see, there's the prison of fear. And Jesus Christ wants to deliver us from that prison. You see, Paul in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7 says, The Lord's not given us the spirit of fear. And we're not to have the, 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 this fear in our hearts. And many of you right now are probably living in that prison. You're, you're fearful about What's going to happen tomorrow? You're, you're fearful of what the future holds. You're, you're fearful, fearful. The thing that will keep us from being fearful is putting our trust in something that's stronger than we are. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge Him and He'll direct your paths. If we start trusting and leaning on the Lord more, we wouldn't have to fear. We No, no, absolutely not. You know, the, the Lord said in Joshua chapter 1, As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. I'll never leave you. And I will never forsake you. You see, he had nothing to fear as the leader of God. That is, Joshua was the leader of God's people because he had God on his side. And we can be released from the prison of fear by leaning on the Lord. Another prison from which people need to be delivered is the prison of anxiety. And to put that another way, that, that's the prison of worry. You know, there's an interesting story that Jesus told, or it's not really a story that He told, but an incident in His life, when He came to the home of, of Mary and Martha. 
and uh, Martha wanted to fix a meal for Jesus, a guest in her home, and Mary wanted to sit down and listen to Jesus teach. And Jesus said to, to Martha, 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 you're careful and troubled about many things, but Mary's chosen the good part. I think Martha has a lot of brothers and sisters today who are careful and they're, and they're troubled about, about so many things in life. Th things for which they, they ought not to be troubled. They just worry all the time. The, 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 the people worry about everything you can imagine there is to worry about. They, they worry about their hair falling out. That is baldness. They, they, they worry about their eyes not being as sharp as they used to be. That is, they worry about bifocals. And they worry about their feet. They get bunions on their feet. They start worrying about that. We worry about everything you can imagine there is to worry about. Anxiety. Anxiety. We, we worry about things that really don't matter. Have you ever worried about something? If you really stop and think about it, it really didn't matter. Alexander the, the Great wept one time because he couldn't get a certain kind of ivy to grow in Babylon. What, what, what did it matter? That's just so small, so trivial. What did it matter? We, we worry about things that have already happened and, and there's no need for us to worry about what's happened. Let's just adopt Paul's attitude when he said, forgetting those things which are, are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Don't look back, look forward. We, we worry about things over which we have absolutely no control. We can't control them. We, we worry about things that that, that are going on in our lives right now, present entanglements, what we need to do is just be like Hezekiah in the in Old, Old Testament when he was told to set his house in order because he's going to die and not live. So he started praying to the Lord and the Lord heard his prayer, lengthened his life by 15 years. Sometimes we worry about things that have not yet happened, the future. We get all tied up about what are you going to do about it? Well, let me tell you some things that Jesus said about worry. And I'm reading now from Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25 beginning. I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Have you ever worried about what you're going to wear tomorrow? What, what you're going to wear next Sunday? Oh, what, what are you going to wear to this occasion, to that occasion? Do you ever worry about that? Why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Now verse 31. Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? 
For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, folks, that's what Jesus said about it. You, you want to get out of the prison of anxiety, out of the prison of worry? Let, let's listen to what Jesus said here. Je Jesus said, don't you worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. He said, I want you to think about the fact that your life is more than meat and, the, and, and your body is more than raiment. I want you to think about the birds. I've never heard in all of my life of a bird getting an ulcer. But people do. They worry themselves sick because God takes care of the birds. He feeds the birds. And if He feeds the birds, don't you think God will take care of you? He says, aren't you of more value than the birds? And He says, now, why do you worry about your stature? Because by, by worrying, you're not going to change your stature. And He said, why worry about your clothing? Well, I said, I want you to think about the flowers. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, here's his point. If God clothes the grass of the field, which today is, tomorrow it's cast into the oven, it would be used for fuel in their ovens to cook. He said, it, it is, here it is blooming today, tomorrow it's cast in the oven. Will he not much more clothe you, oh, you of little faith? Jesus is saying, don't you worry about anything. And he says, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? He said, for, for all of these things the Gentiles are looking after. They're, they're seeking those things. They're worrying about all of that. But your Father in heaven knows that you need all of that. You see, he knows what you need. He knows what you need. And here's where you get what you need. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of His righteousness. And all of these things are going to be added unto you. And then in verse 34, He says, Do not worry about tomorrow. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient unto the day is, it, is its own trouble. Don't, don't bar to, tomorrow's troubles. Just live for today. Paul in Philippians 4 tells us how to be released from this prison. And these words of Jesus tie in so, so beautifully with what Paul wrote. Be, be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let, let, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and He will keep your minds in, in Christ Jesus. Worry about nothing. Paul said pray about everything. And if we would come to the Lord in prayer with all of the problems that we have and all the anxieties of our heart, says we're going to be able to come before the throne of grace to get help in time of need, Hebrews 4.16. And then we're going to have a peace, a peace that passes all understanding. And we'll be delivered from the prison of anxiety.
There's another prison from which men and women need to be delivered, and that's the prison of depression. Uh, that's a real problem today. The, some of God's greatest servants have, have suffered from depression. It appears that, that uh, Elijah, uh, a prophet of God, suffered from depression. He had challenged and destroyed the, uh, the prophets of Baal, and, and now Jezebel is after him, and he hides under a bush, and, and he's so depressed, and he says, just let me die. I don't want to live any longer, Lord. He said, I'm the only one left. He isolated himself. And he felt so alone, so depressed. It wasn't long until the Lord let him know he wasn't the only one left there. A lot of people hadn't bowed the knee to Baal. And it wasn't long that he had Elijah back up and going again. It appears that Jeremiah became depressed, one of God's great servants. In the 20th chapter of Jeremiah, he got to the point because the people wouldn't listen to him. He said, I think I'm just going to get out of the ministry. Now, that's not exactly the way that it reads. But he said, I thought I would stop. But he said, the word of God was like a fire burning in my heart. He could not. He just kept on keeping on in spite of the fact that his message had been rejected. Now you talk about a man who must have been depressed. That was Job. Imagine going through a Job experience, losing everything that you have. Losing children, losing your possessions, losing your health. And having friends that are not very good encouragers and a wife that's not a very good encourager. It had to be a depressing time for Job. It's not a sign of sin to be depressed. Depression is just an emotional overload. These are some things, and there are times that we need to seek professional help for certain types of depression. But when you get to that point, you're sort of down and out. Let me make some suggestions. Focus, number one, on God. Begin to think about God. Think about how great He is. Think about how good He is. Think about all He's done for you. Focus on God. And think about what God can do for you. God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is a very present help in time of trouble. And if that trouble happens to be a time of depression in your life, God can help you come out of that. Focus on God. A second thing I would suggest is focus on other people. So sometimes we become depressed because we're thinking more about ourselves. Start thinking about someone else. Look, look not only on your own things, as Paul wrote in Philippians 2, but also on the things of others. And if you'll pour your heart and your life into someone else, you'll soon begin to forget about all of your troubles. And then focus on positive things. Th things that are high and holy. There's so much negative stuff in our world today, and it's, sometimes it's not an easy thing to focus on things that are positive. But let me give you a, a positive thought. It's a biblical thought, a scriptural thought. That, that has been a great benefit to me over the years. Maybe I was going through something in the ministry that was a little bit distressing to me. And when I read this, it just sort of picks me up. It just picks me up. And that verse is Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. I suspect that's a favorite verse of some of you that are watching right now. 
they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Folks, we just need to, just to focus on things that are positive. Focus on things that are high and holy. Another good positive thing to think about is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There isn't anything I come up against that, that can defeat me because I serve a God who is great and the battle is the Lord's. Another suggestion about trying to overcome de depression is, is focus on eternal realities. If we would start thinking more about the eternal realities than this old world that, that carries with it so many things that, that beat us down at times, I think it would help us to, to lift our spirits. Uh, Paul in 2 Corinthians 4 and 16 wrote, For which cause we faint not, before though our outward man perish, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. And our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now Paul had enough going on in his life to depress the average man, the average woman. Paul had been beaten, he had been stoned, he had been in a shipwreck. He, he had been in perils everywhere he went. There was some kind of trouble. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 8, he said, we're troubled on every side. You say, well, that sounds like me, Brother Lambert. But let me tell you, Paul did not allow that to get him down. He said, for which cause we faint not. Though the outward man is perishing, even though I'm getting older day by day and have all of these problems, he said, the inward man is growing stronger day by day. Start focusing on eternal realities. Start focusing on where we're going. It is so easy, so easy to look at the circumstances around us and because of that, we lose perspective. Uh, my mother was in the nursing home with Alzheimer's and, and it had such a devastating effect upon my dad. He was so down over that. His soulmate, they'd been, they'd been soulmates since they were 12 and 13 years old. They met in a church service. And now his soulmate didn't even know who he was. One Sunday he walked up to me and he, he looked so forlorn. And I said, Dad, Dad that's what, what's wrong? What's wrong, Dad? He said, it's your mother, son. It's your mother. I said, I know, Dad. I know. But Daddy, remember, Mother's a Christian. And remember that, remember, Dad, Dad, remember the purpose of the trip. The purpose of the trip. See, there's more to life than meets the eye. We need to start focusing on the next life. As Paul said in Colossians 3, 1, Seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. If we start focusing on all the things on this earth, there's no wonder we get depressed. But we have to start focusing on some eternal realities. Another prison from which people need to be delivered is the prison of a feeling 
of worthlessness. I've had someone say to me, I'm just a nobody. I've heard that so many times in my ministry. I'm a nobody. Or, no one cares what happens to me. Could I tell you, if you feel that way, Jesus cares. And you're not a nobody to Jesus. J Jesus cares about you. First, first Peter 5 and 7 says, Casting all of your care upon Him because He cares for you. Now maybe all the people around you, maybe all the people that you know do, 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 illustrate in their attitude to you that they, maybe they don't care. I rather suspect they care more than you think. But let me tell you, Jesus cares. And let me tell you how much Jesus cares. He cared enough to die for you. Have you ever thought about that? You say nobody cared. Jesus cared enough to, for you that he died just for you. Paul wrote in Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. Now you take that verse and put your name where Paul said me. Put your name there. He loved you. He gave himself for you. That's how much Jesus cares. And Jesus cared enough that, that he uh, gave us an uh, opportunity to be saved from our sins. Je Jesus Christ came into this world to be our Savior. That, that's the reason Jesus died for us, to save us from our sins. That's how much he cared. And Jesus gives us the opportunity to be saved. He extends an invitation to us. Even. He says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, regardless of what that burden might be. And if it's a feeling of worthlessness, I want you to know Jesus cares for you. He cares for you. He cares enough that he wants you to come and be his child, his follower, his servant, his disciple. Would you give your life to Him by believing on Him, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Him, and by being baptized into Him for the remission of your sins? Oh, we can be released from prison, and the Lord is the one who does it. I want to thank you for watching today, and in the closing moments, may I give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. Till we meet again, may the Lord bless and keep you. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.org. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible@golftel.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214.
Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.